Good morning, Crestview. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Isn't it good to be in God's house this morning? There we go, we got to be happy. Uh, you might notice I'm not Chad. He's not here this morning. He's visiting another church, so I'm going to do the announcements. Yeah, there's a, uh, a baptism of a close family friend that, that they were invited to attend, so they went to that church for that baptism. And I told him he was excused, so, so that's fine. And I just found out Miss Pam wanted me to tell everybody she's got green beans that need to be picked. She's picked all she wants. If you want some green beans, just come t- ask her, and sh- she'll set you up. So, so you go right ahead. You gotta go pick them yourself. They're not gonna be delivered, but, but, but just, and, and you do all, all the fun part. So if you if you're interested, just talk to Pam after the service. Don't forget our Baptist men's breakfast will be coming up in two weeks on Saturday, September second, in the fellowship hall. We also have a baked potato and salad lunch for the North Carolina missions coming up in September, September 17th on Sunday. It's sponsored by the WMU. I believe we could probably ask Joy about that if you want more, more information. We have an outreach event coming up in September as well. We're going to feed the Crest football team on uh, Friday, September 21st from 3.30 to 5.30. If you can uh, help with that and want more information, just, just talk to Artie. 20, I, did I say the 27th? 22nd. Okay. And also, there's a vendor show sponsored by the WMU on Saturday, the 23rd of September. If you're interested in that, you can talk to Joyce. Our church directory pictures are being taken next Sunday before the worship service, right before Sunday school and during Sunday school, and then again after the worship service. And if you want to sign up for that, out in the Welcome Center, there's a little sign-up sheet with some time slots still open. Just sign up for that. This isn't the kind that they come and try to sell you a big package of pictures. You just want to come in and get your picture taken and put in a directory. and One picture, no cost. And I think you could probably get a copy of that picture if you want it. Also, on Sunday, the 27th, next Sunday, at 6 p.m., we're going to have another uh, fellowship at the creek, weather permitting. So let's make sure we get together and do that. I have also, there's some deacon training coming up on September the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m. at Poplar Springs. If you're interested in that, you don't have to be on the deacon board. You just it, it really don't even have to be a deacon. You can still take the training, but if you're interested in that, just, just talk to Pastor Artie. He's doing how many people are going to be, be coming. Also, this coming Tuesday on uh, 6 o'clock, we'll have a work night here at the church. I'm not sure what uh, Whitey and Terry have planned for us, but I'm sure there's something we can work on. So that's coming up as well. I think that is all the announcements. Does anybody have anything else we need to share with the congregation? Well, good. I'll call on Pastor Arlie and let's prepare our hearts for worship. Okay, I know there's a lot of people here that was at that ball game Friday night. And I heard how loud you guys yelled. So I'm going to try this again, and we're going to see if we can do it right. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, that, see, you just know, you, you did. Thank you for warming them up, Jim. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord this morning? I was thinking when I was on my way over here for our deacons meeting, I said, we get to go to church today. And that, it made me happy. I miss it when I'm not here with you guys, and I am so thankful that you are here. If you are visiting with us and this is your first time, 
Well, if you're visiting with us, period, we want to say thank you for being with us. We hope you feel at home, hope you enjoy yourself, hope that God is able to speak to you today. If this is your first time, please take a moment and grab a visitor's card in the pew back and fill it out and place it in the offering plate as it's passed or drop it off at the, uh, at the welcome center out in the vestibule out front as you leave. Either way is fine. But we want to say thank you for being here. If there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. Also, welcome back, Gardner-Webb students. We are very appreciative of Miles filling in for the summer for our interpreters, but our regular interpreters, Faith and Summer, are back, and it's great to have them here. And then Nick is back. Yes, Nick, I called your name out in front of everybody. Nick is here, sitting up here. If you get an opportunity to talk to them, please do so. Um, they are very sharp individuals, and, and God's really going to be working through them and doing great things. So thank you for being here. Now, at this time, if you would please join me as we approach the throne of grace in prayer to start our service together. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, dear Lord. We are so blessed to be here. Even though the air may not be working right, even though things break down, dear Lord, we are still blessed because we are here to worship our Savior, to worship Jesus Christ, the one that gave his life for us, the one that suffered and died and shed his blood that we may have forgiveness of sins and have eternal life. Dear Lord, the one that when he died, he did not stay dead. But he rose again on the third day to seal our salvation and our eternal life. Dear Lord, we thank you for that. And as we go through this time, dear Lord, may your spirit move among your people. Open our hearts, our ears, so that we may hear and take what we hear from you today, and apply it to our lives. Dear Lord, I ask that you speak through me, speak through Sandra and the choir as they lead us in worship today. Dear Lord, I thank you for everyone that's here. But dear Lord, I know that in a crowd this size and, and those that are watching online, that there is someone that does not know you as their personal Savior. May the Holy Spirit convict them today. May he draw them to you so that they will know you as their Savior before this hour is up. The Lord bless us today and may you receive all the honor and glory for everything that is done and said here today. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Let us continue to worship through hymns as we stand and sing hymn number 122, Tell Me the Story of Jesus, which we should all have that desire to do. Spread the good news. So, 122.
we will continue worshiping through giving of our gifts, our tithes, and our offerings. Let us pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and worship you and to give back to you a small portion of what you have blessed us with. So I ask you to bless this gift and bless the giver. And may you use this to spread the gospel of your holy name, Jesus. For it is your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing hymn number 566, Tell the Good News, 566. Thank you. 
after our choir special. Even though Chad's not here, we will still have children's church. So following the choir special, uh, Laura will lead them out.
Jim just reminded me that he forgot to make an announcement that we do have a short business meeting after the service. This is a business meeting to close out our year and to, to begin our new year in September. But I do have one, one other question. Aren't those the most beautiful two words you've ever heard in your life? Jesus saves. Well, let me say that again. Like I said before, I heard how loud you guys were cheering for the Chargers. Those of you were there when they beat Gaffney Friday night. So let me try that again. Best words, Jesus saves. Amen. Now, now you guys are sounding like a bunch of Baptists wanting fighting over a chicken leg. Well, we're going to continue going through the basics and, and, and understanding what the Apostles' Creed means. We're going to continue through this. And this particular section, we're going to have to take little bits and pieces of it because it is too much to put into one sermon about the Son. So this section is, I believe, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And if you will turn to John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at, starting off with, uh, with just uh, a few verses out of John to, to jump, uses our springboard to jump off of. And we're going to pick up in verse 14 and go through verse 18. And we're just going to scratch the surface. of why we believe and what it means when we say those words, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. So if you would stand, John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18, and this is what the, the Apostle John writes here and the opening verses of his, of his gospel. He says this, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. For of His fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is, the who is in the bosom of His Father, He has explained Him. Let's pray. Our blessed Heavenly Father, thank You for what we see. John Wright, thank You for inspiring him to write Your Word, dear Lord. And thank You what it means to us. Bless the reading of Your Word. Speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank You. We're going to start out by looking at some facts today. 
And here's some things that we have to understand is first off, that the fact that Jesus existed is not, a de- is not debatable. You know, last week we talked about how people debate whether or not God exists. Well, the fact that Jesus existed is not debatable. Why is it not debatable? Because historical records prove that the man Jesus lived in Israel 2,000 years ago. History records the fact that he taught, had disciples or a group of followers, was arrested and crucified. That is in historical records. So the fact that Jesus existed is not debatable. So where does debate debate begin? Well, it begins at the same place that it began when Jesus was alive here on earth. The debate begins with the discussion of Jesus' full identity. So let's look a little closer. Now remember, the first part of this series of sermons started off with what we believe about Scripture. And you have to understand Scripture. And you have to understand that it is the inerrant, perfect Word of God. Fully inspired by God the Father. No other book in existence is like God's Word. The fact that this book was written over a thousand years by so many different authors and every single one of them were inspired and wrote what God told them to write. He allowed them to use their own language. He allowed them to use their own thought process. But He told them word for word what to write. And it's all compiled and it is in the perfect Word of God that we find the answers to who Jesus is. So who is Jesus Christ? The Bible provides us with testimony that Jesus was infinitely more than a prophet, a good teacher, or a godly man, it tells us that that Jesus was the Son of God in flesh. You see, every major religion, almost every major religion, and I know I skipped the point, Trey, and I apologize, you don't have to go back to it, but every major religion teaches that Jesus was a prophet or a good teacher or a holy man of God. They believe that. But Scripture tells us that He was so much more than that. You see, it tells us that Jesus was the Son of God in flesh. You guys understand what I said? It tells us that Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God, left His throne in glory and took on the fallibility and the... the, 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 the frailness of His creation. Of us. Guys, that means that Jesus dealt with the same stuff we do. You know, when He was working in Joseph's carpenter shop as a boy, that means that He got calluses on His hands from work. That means as a child, when he was learning how to walk, he stumbled and fell and skint his knee. 
And you're like, well, wait a second. He was, he was God. How did he do that? Because he wanted to experience what it was like for us. He could have called at any time angels to protect him and keep him from falling, to keep him from experience. Even when he hung on the cross, he could have called down 10,000 angels and they would have surrounded him and they could not have touched him. But he chose to be like us. He chose to suffer and die to pay the price for us. That's what Scripture tells us. Look at John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There is a particular religion that goes around knocking on doors all the time, and their version of the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God, small g. And I have shared this many times, that when you look at the Greek language, there is no indefinite article, which means that the word a does not exist in the Greek language. There is a definite article, the or that, those words exist, but there's no indefinite article. Which means that when they translated that Scripture, they decided upon themselves to put A. And that little G is not what the Greek says. It literally says, when John wrote these words, he said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and by God the Word was God. It was Jesus the Son of God. Now, we have to understand this. <coughs> that my dad's name is Jim Hubbard. I was born, and they named me, his name is James A. Hubbard. When I was be born, I was named James Arthur Hubbard Jr. Not only do I have my dad's last name, I have his full name. I'm the only one of my brothers and sister that can claim to have my dad's name. The only one. But I share his DNA too. That means that the innermost part of me I got from my mother and father. And scientists, if they still practice true science, that's a little jab at those that don't think biology exists anymore. Um, true scientists can take that DNA and they can trace my lineage because of my DNA. Well, what does that have to do with Jesus? Let's look at it. Okay? Jesus claimed equality with God. Do you guys realize that? He claimed equality with God. Look at John 10.30. In John 10, chapter, verse 30, I know I skipped some slides, Trey. If you could go ahead and... Yeah, there you go. Jesus says this, I 
and the Father are one. One person. We're the same. We're equal. Not only does He say that, but Jesus claimed the attributes of God and applied the name of God to Himself. Now let's look. Last week we talked about when God met Moses at the burning bush and the name that He gave him. He said, what do I who, what's your name? What do I tell them if they ask who you are? And He says, I am that I am. Tell them the great I am sent you. So let's look at what Jesus says. He claimed the attributes and the name of God. Look at John 8, 58. John 8, 58 says this, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, what? I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. And when he said that, guess what the Jews did? Oh, they wanted to stone him. They were, they, they were ready to kill him right there. Then, look at John 6.35. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to Me will not hunger, and he who believes in Me will, not, will never thirst. You know, the great thing about the, the Greek language, when, this, when the Bible was written in the language that they used, it was very detailed. It was very specific. And some of it is hard to translate over to English without using several words for one word. And the, the Greek language used here, this never or will not hunger That not, will not, hunger. It is a complete satisfaction given to us by God Himself. Will not, will never thirst. It's not just, I won't be thirsty until I need something else to drink. It's, you're never going to need it. He's going to fill every need. That goes back to to the name of God, Jehovah Jireh. God the provider. God providing all the needs. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John 8, 12. Then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, repeating what He wrote in the very first of the Gospel. Jesus is repeating that. He's saying that. I am the light of the world. Again, I am. John 10.9 I am the door. If anyone enters through Me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Who is the only person that can save? Can the preacher save somebody? No. Can a deacon save somebody? Can getting dunked in that water back there save anybody? No. Who is the only person that can save somebody? God. 
from before he created the world, before he breathed life into Adam and took his rib and created Eve, God had a plan to redeem this creation that he was breathing life into. He knew that they were going to reject him. He knew we were going to reject him. And before he even created and said, let there be light, before he did any of it, he already had a plan. And that was to send Jesus Christ to suffer and die for us. And so only God can save. So what do you think the reaction was? Not very much different than it is today when we say Jesus saves. Oh, you narrow-minded, I can't believe that. You're not... He was claiming to do something that only God could do. I am the door. If anybody comes through me, they will be what? Saved. John 10, 11, and 14 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then verse 14, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. John 14, 6, Jesus says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. You see, Jesus... Every one of those I am statements. He was claiming not only to be like God. No, he wasn't claiming to be like God. He was claiming the attributes of God. The character of God. And he was claiming to be God because he took on himself the name of God. And every time John records one of these I am statements that Jesus made, the Jews and the religious people of the time went ape. They went nuts. They were ripping their clothes. They were wanting to stone him. They wanted to kill him. They were seen as being blasphemous because Jesus was just claiming to be who he really was. He was telling them, I have got my Father's name. And look at my DNA. I am His. He is my Father. You can check it out and see it yourself. That's what He was saying. That's exactly what He was saying. And see, not only did Jesus say it, but God the Father declares Jesus as His Son. Matthew 3, 16-17. We looked at these verses last week. But I need, we need to look at them again. After being baptized, Jesus came up and immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened and He saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on Him. 
And behold, a voice out of heaven said, what did he say? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You know something? I like Landon. Landon's sitting up here in the front. Wave, Landon. Landon. I like Landon. Landon's a good kid. He's got a good heart. He's got a lot of questions. But he's a good kid. But you know what? Landon's not my son. But that boy right over there that's blushing red right now, that's my son. I can say, that guy up there that looks like a woolly bugger, that's my son. That girl right there, that's my daughter. They're mine. God gave them to me. And Ginger. They belong to me. They're, them and their three brother, three, two other sisters and another brother that I can say, these are my kids. They're mine. I can't say that about anybody else. Even my daughter-in-law and son-in-law. They're my daughter-in-law and son-in-law, but they are not my biological kids. They're not even my adopted kids. But these guys, I can look at and I said, that's my son, that's my daughter, that's my son. They're mine. That's what God did. He had a proud dad moment. And he said, that's my boy. And he's doing a good job. But you know, it's interesting. That when Jesus hung on the cross and the sky went dark and the ground shook, that same proud daddy turned his back. Because Scripture tells us that God could not look upon His Son because His Son had become sin for us. God of all glory took on our sin and became sin for us. And God could not look at His beloved Son. And that proud daddy had to turn his back. But God Himself declares Jesus Christ, His only Son. So that's the first part of that. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son. But then there's a Two little words that come after that. Our Lord. So Jesus Christ, our Lord. Generally speaking, a Lord is someone with authority and control or power over others. When the leper called Jesus Lord, he was showing Jesus respect as a healer and a teacher. Look at Matthew 8, 2. This is the way this word is used here. He says, And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He was using that term as a, re, a term of respect, realizing that Jesus had power and authority, but he didn't recognize who Jesus really was. It would be like uh, the, in England... 
you would, somebody's title is Lord or Lady. It's a title. And it conveys the fact that they have some sort of standing. That's the same thing they were doing. Like you have somebody that's a, that's a, a professor. You call them Professor Pittman because he's a college professor. He teaches English, and I'm, I'm sure that he marks up my sermons. I'm thinking he's giving me red marks all over my sermon. But he's a professor. Same thing. Sharon Webb's a doctor. So Dr. Webb. Same thing. I'm not a doctor. So you, to, to call me doctor would be inappropriate. Same thing. But see, things changed. After the resurrection, the title Lord, as applied to Jesus, became much more. It became a way of declaring Jesus' deity. And we have to understand this. It became to declare His godliness, His godness. Not godliness, that's like God. His godness, He was God. See, John 20, 28. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and what? And my God. At that moment, that title, Lord, changed. And it began to refer to God and to indicate that Jesus was God. From the resurrection... On, the apostles' message was that Jesus is Lord, meaning that Jesus was God. Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2.36, he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. You remember on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them like a rushing mighty wind and, they, and, and, and tongues of fire set upon their heads and they began to speak in other languages. So everybody that was there in Jerusalem saw or heard this commotion coming from the upper room and they were hearing it in their own language. And they're like, how in the world is this happening? So they came and a crowd gathered. And Peter stood up and began to preach. And they all heard it in their own language. And he says, this Jesus whom you crucified. He pointed the finger at the Jewish religious leaders. And the ones that were yelling in the crowd, crucify him. He pointed his finger at them. And he said that you crucified. God has made Lord he has made Lord. The King James Version, I believe, says Lord and Messiah. And then, you know, Peter that didn't want to have anything to do with the Gentiles, God showed him in a dream and challenged him and said, if I've made something clean, who can make it unclean again? And at that time, there were guys wanting there to see him, wanting him to go and talk to Cornelius, 
the centurion. And so Peter went to his house. And they asked one question. How do we get saved? How do we get saved? Explain it to us. And Peter began sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. And Cornelius and his whole household accepted Christ. And then Peter says this in Acts 10.36, The word which he sent to the sons of Israel preaching peace through Christ Jesus, He is Lord of all. Jesus is God. Paul links Jesus' or, or Lordship to His resurrection in Romans 10.9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, what will happen? You will be saved. And then Jesus proclaims His Lord that He is Lord in giving of the Great Commission. Now remember what we said a Lord is. Lord is, Lord is someone that has authority over others. Power. But Lord Jesus is saying that Jesus is God. And then Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who has all the authority? God. So what is Jesus saying here? I'm God. And Jesus is the Lord of Lords. Revelation 17, 14. These will rage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them because He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. Lord of Lords and King of Kings. See, when we claim... Jesus as our Lord, we are submitting to His authority and declaring our obedience. So these are not just words we say, but they mean something. You see, in Luke 6.46, Jesus Himself says this. He says, Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? How can I be your Lord? What He's saying is, how can I be your Lord if you don't obey what I say? So in verse, the opposite of that is if we say, Lord, Lord, we should show it by our actions. It's not just words, but it means something. So when we say we believe that Jesus is Lord, it means that we are submitting to His authority and committing our obedience to Him. And when we exclaim our belief in Jesus Christ as Lord, it is only the work of the Holy Spirit in us that shows us that. You guys understand what I'm saying? That it's only through the Holy Spirit that we recognize Jesus as Lord. In fact, look at what it says here in 1 Corinthians 12.3. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. That if you have a preacher set up here and preach to you that Jesus isn't God and Jesus should be accursed, 
you need to fire him on the spot. You need to burn him at the stake or whatever else you have to do, but he doesn't need to be proclaiming God's Word because he's not speaking God's Word. That's harsh, but it's the truth. Because the Holy Spirit will never have somebody say that Jesus is not God. But in, and no one who can say Jesus is Lord except how? By the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that opens our eyes. It is the Holy Spirit through God's guidance that draws us to Him. Jesus says, I have the ones that have been drawn to Me by the Father. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Him. And then lastly, the last fact that I want to share with you is Jesus is Lord. It is the truth whether or not people want to acknowledge the fact, but someday all people will submit to that truth. Because the Bible tells us, Philippians 2, 9-11, through For this reason also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him a name which is above every name, so that at the same name, at the, or at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in the earth and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, we have to understand what it means when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. We have to know that. Because the fact that Jesus is God and Jesus is our Savior is not a popular thing to be talking about in today's society. It is actually something that is becoming less popular to preach about in church. And I don't understand that. Because everything about us rests on the fact that Jesus saves. And the only way that Jesus can save is because Jesus is God. And we have to understand that. We have to preach that. And it, listen, there's going to come a time that all these people that disagree with us, all these people that refuse to accept the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus is God, and that it's only through Him you can be saved. It is only, there's going to come a time when they realize that they have been sorely mistaken because the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And it's going to be all to the glory of God. Church, please, when you say those words, understand what it means. Understand what we believe according to Scripture about who Jesus was. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Him as your Savior, please don't leave this place without taking care of that. Let me introduce you to Him. I cannot make you. I cannot do it for you. But do not leave this place without getting that taken care of.
please, I beg you. If God is telling you to do anything else, this is your opportunity right now. We're getting ready to sing the invitation hymn. This is your opportunity to do whatever it is. Prove that Jesus is Lord by your obedience. Whatever it is He's telling you to do, don't leave this place without doing it. As we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing hymn 210, My Jesus, I Love Thee. visiting with us. We hope that you felt at home. And as we dismiss from our service to begin our business meeting, don't forget that when you leave this place, you have been told to go make disciples. Jesus said, I'm calling you to become fishers of men. You're going out to go fishing. But we have a different bait. We have Jesus Christ that you're going to take with you when you go out. So please don't forget that. And I'm going to ask Jim Kinder if he would come and dismiss us in prayer um, today. He is he and Terry Pendleton switched um, Deacon of the Week. So Jim is our Deacon of the Week this week. So uh, Jim, if you dismiss us in prayer, and then Jim Humphreys, begin our business meeting.
Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the uh, opportunity to pray here this morning because uh, in your wisdom, you triggered some thoughts this past week about two different, uh, actually two different verses from your word. One was uh, in, in Paul's letter to the, the second letter to the Corinthians, he, he says to us that we, we walk by faith and not by sight. And then also one of the Psalms says, uh, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And in, in your wisdom, uh, you triggered these thoughts <laughs> by something I can relate to. I was watching, uh, watching some airplanes up in the sky. And a lot of people wonder, how do they get where they're going? And, but our, you know, the flight path from Atlanta up to the northeast goes right over us here. And also, um, at night, planes leave Atlanta, they end, up at, uh, they end up somewhere in Europe the next morning. But how do they get where they're going? Well, they have, <laughs> they have navigational technology and they have a flight plan. But how does that relate to us? Do we have a flight plan? Yes, we do. Jeremiah tells, in the book of Jeremiah tells us that. We have, a, we have a perfect plan laid out by you for each one of us, but Different from, different from the planes, uh, we don't know what that plan is. <laughs> That's why we have to trust you. We have to trust your spirit. We have to trust you. We have to trust your plan. And so help us all to be always obedient to your word and trust that you'll guide our path and that we're always strong in our faith so that we navigate this world and... and uh, carry out your plan in this fallen world, that the only way we can do it is, um, is by trusting you and following your plan. So, again, help us to uh, obey your word, be obedient to your word, and be strong in our faith. And uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.